So yesterday, about midway through the day, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House of Representatives, he's a Republican, don't you know, said this. I think that's a ridiculous idea. I hope that they don't mean that. Let's just think about this. We've got all this devastation in Texas. We've got another unprecedented hurricane hitting, about to hit Florida, and they want to play politics with a debt ceiling? That will strand the aid so that we need to bring to these victims of these so that's storms. Paul, that's Paul right. Ryan. I think it's ridiculous. And immoral and, and unthinkable. Minutes later, minutes later, Donald Trump agreed to it. Right. And now it's going to happen. So right. that's, where, <laughs> that's where you have things between the Republican president and the Republican Speaker of the House and the Republican leader of the, of the Senate, who was also against it. Just to muddy the that's, waters. That's just, that is something. Uh, well, some of this is clarifying. Some of it's muddying. Democrats scored a major victory at the White House on Wednesday. This is from the Washington Examiner. When they won support for Trump for a three-month increase in the nation's borrowing limit, Trump rejected his own party's plan to lift the debt ceiling for 18 months, which Republican leaders at the meeting then tried unsuccessfully to negotiate down to six months before first daughter Ivanka Trump entered the room and the talks dissolved. What? Yeah. She, so she walked in and she wanted to talk about some child care thingy that she wanted to do that uh, she walked in. And then all of a sudden, the, yeah, the talks got everything uh, was about her and the president, so the was, president talking to her was unwilling and, to go back. He wanted to talk to her and blah, blah, blah. And okay. uh, and and they they, according to some reports, were visibly upset and mad about that because they were trying to. They, were, they felt like they were being undercut, trying to hardcore negotiate. She walks in, topic changes. And then daddy's little darling walks in, and he won't talk about it at all. Right. <laughs> wow. Said it was just over. That's weird. Um, yeah, and then and, and the president apparently didn't give any heads up to Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell that this you know, this is the way I'm leaning, this is the way as I'm thinking. Uh, they, they assumed he was on their side of trying to negotiate. And, and he took the Democrats' opening offer. I right. mean, it's just... It, which is wild. Uh, so, listen, I don't have a great memory for the ins and outs of politics and who said what and whatever, because I, I just don't care that much anymore. So I'll never be one of those d- cable TV wonks. Um, I but, find those people boring, so that's fine. Yeah, please. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't the Republicans generally want to have a shorter increase and say, all right, we'll give it to you briefly, but there's not going to be another one. Because they want to fight and get leverage every time. Generally, but in this one, they wanted to not have to deal with it at all until after the next election. They wanted to put it off until after next November. But and there see, are other fights they want to have more. That's why I, you know, it, it, there, 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 are no, there are no heroes in this story for me. They wanted a no-strings-attached year-and-a-half raising of the debt ceiling. Not a, no, we're not raising it. One dollar. Unless we get some cuts. No, nobody was pushing that. Well, the Freedom Caucus was, mm-hmm. which is why the Republicans didn't have the votes to do anything, and uh, Trump had to side with the Democrats. But it's it's just frustrating all around. Well, well just... he could have found Republican votes and Democrat votes for a middle ground of some sort. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly. But well, he certainly. just went with the Democrats' opening offer. And you know what's funny? Uh, they're, uh, the Democrats are now running around. Uh, Jim McGovern, who's a Democrat uh, representative from Massachusetts, Uh, Is out there saying, we have an effective leadership here that keeps the team together, and I think that really helps. We're we're going to be able to exert a little more leverage. Uh, So he's he's touting the continuation of the Nancy Pelosi Democrat Party, which, if you're a Republican, I think is great news politically. On the other hand, 
Apparently, if you're a Republican, I have no idea what you stand for. Well, Republican so. Mike Simpson of Idaho said, a three-month debt ceiling? Why not do a daily debt ceiling? He's the best deal maker ever, don't you know? I mean, he's got a book out and everything. Wait a minute. That sounds sarcastic <laughs> to me. Uh, that wow. is something. And I was watching my maybe my favorite current political pundit, Mark Halpern, on NBC News today, and he said... NBC better not pay me for the day because I have no idea what to say about this. I, I've never seen anything like it. I have no idea what the strategy is. Right. He, he said, I have no idea why he did that. None. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like I said, it's at least it's it's... It's not the same old people doing the same old things. I think it could right. be for the ruination of the country. And, and, and but, I'm not. Know. I'm not one of those that's mad. Nobody wants to hear about that. I'm not one of those people that's mad because oh no, he sided with the Democrats and I'm on this team and that's no, that's not. Cool. I don't care about that. Right. It's just that there, there's nobody standing ground for well, we can't just keep raising our debt limit, like raising our credit card limit, without even addressing the fact that we go out to eat every single night. Mm-hmm. But we do. Right. Won't even talk about it anymore. <laughs> There's no party that stands up for that. That's just mm. amazing. You wouldn't think that's possible. I don't know. You, you cannot be cynical enough about politics and politicians. There ought to be, you know, any responsible country would have a severe debt limit. And there would have to be, for instance, special measures passed oh, to borrow beyond that oh, or oh. To, to borrow money at all. I mean, And it, I would say only like wartime or maybe this hurricane. And then the question would be, if you get hit with a hurricane and you have to raise your debt limit, the, the question would be, well, why didn't you have more money in savings? You know, that's like if you have to uh, put a, put a uh, easy car repair on your credit card. Why didn't you have more money saved up? We no. should we should have, but only ex- extremely odd circumstances would you raise the debt ceiling. Right. You know, it's it's funny the uh, not every couple months just because. Right. Well, because you reached the limit and now you need to borrow more. Why do we need to borrow more? Because you got to borrow more. That is the debate now before the Senate. Because of our money. We need more money. <laughs> we, need, we need more money. Uh, but anyway, so uh, it's funny. Barack Obama, when he left office, his uh, personal approval rating, very, very high. Uh, if you broke it down to the various policies, his policies, very, very low. And, and it's funny. I have, and I can't explain it, a similar feeling about George W. Bush. And it must be the post-9-11 stuff. You know, I thought he did a really good job in a lot of ways for a while in firing that strike days after 9-11 in New York City with the flak jacket on. I mean, it just it was ballsy. It was American. It was wonderful. So for some reason, I still have this affection for him that I can't quite explain. On the other hand, him launching the eternal Middle Eastern wars without any thought of how to pay for it. No addition. Look, we got to go to war, so we got to have a war tax. I mean, that's as ancient as democracies. Look, we're about to undertake something breathtakingly expensive, so we need more money. The fact that uh, George and the Republican Party didn't do that at the time said, and, uh, you know, we'll figure out how to pay for it down the road. Don't worry about it. I mean, that's just, that's unforgivable. So this, I mean, the Republican Party is the great bastion of fiscal responsibility. Is, yeah, I mean, it was a stretch before yesterday. Now it's just kind of the silly notion. I'm afraid oh, yeah. you are you are angry and despondent. I am just amused. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a bitter amusement. Like I said, if I didn't have young children, I I could I could just not worry about it that much. But it's 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 unbelievable that there is there is so little constituency for living within our means that it has no political power at this point. Mm. Not even a voice in the argument. Welcome to the New Britain. 
Maybe we ought to have the king again because we're just we we're following the, the, our our Papa Empire into its uh, you know into a similar state of, of spentedness. Is that a word? Somebody look it up. Coming up, <laughs> New York Times best-selling author Dr. Vince Bertram on the gulf between what college graduates come out of school with and what employers need. Hmm. I thought college was supposed to prepare you for the world. Or is it not, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's not the job of a university. I don't know. Uh, and a little bit later, we're going to get into that whole Facebook story that broke yesterday that the, the Russians put tons of fake news stories on uh, Facebook during the election, and they were being shared around. I mean, a lot more than anybody realized before. You might have shared them yourself. Stay with us. We might have talked about some of them. That's right. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Reading this very long text... You guys do have the best talk show on the radio by far, and yes, it would be much better off and be career safer if you admit the very coarsest humor. Omit? Yeah. Joe's is the worst from the top of his head as he fights a normal, educated man's mature urge to slow and think. I don't know. This wow, is... thanks for the analysis. <laughs> I don't know. And they're unhappy with my English. Eh, well, what are you going to do? Wow. Well, thanks for the compliment. Yeah. You know, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, um, you know, once again, once again, and frankly, Jack, I'm looking at you. We have failed to please all of the people all of the time. We're going to talk to uh, Sarah Westwood of the Washington Examiner a little bit later in the show, and she'll do the nuts and bolts of how that whole debt ceiling Trump going with the Democrats thing went down. This, right. this could be a, a landmark shift, or it could have just been off the top of his head. Yeah, hard to say. He might change his mind today after watching Fox News. We don't know. Please welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, Dr. Vince Bertram. He's a New York, New York Times bestselling author of a new book, Dream Differently, Candid Advice for America's Students. Dr. Bertram, also educator. Uh, he was a district superintendent, CEO of Project Lead the Way, nation's leading provider of STEM curricula used by thousands of schools. Uh, Dr. Bertram, how are you, sir? Very good. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you. Uh, listen, I've actually I've, I've skimmed some of the, the information from the book, et cetera. I know you're not trying to shove everybody into a, a science, technology, math, engineering field, uh, but you feel like there's a, a gulf between what students are coming out of school with and what America needs? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things we have, the skills gap, but I think your point that we're not necessarily steering them towards STEM, but we are trying to help students understand that STEM skills are important in virtually every industry. You know, so whether you know you look at computer science, for instance, only 35% of our computer science or software engineers work in tech companies. You know, the rest work in all other industries. So Regardless of the skill set, you can apply it in virtually every industry, whether it's the arts or in the sciences or engineering. Because everybody needs a computer tech guy. Everybody. Everyone does, and every almost every company is becoming a tech-enabled company. We have, you know, in General Motors, Ford, and and. Toyota and other companies putting computers in cars, and we have Google making cars. We have, you know, companies like Walmart that's building world-class logistics and, and connecting people all over the world. Yeah, so they have to have these people, and they're in high demand. One of the things that, and part of the premise of this book is we want students to be able to take control of their futures by having the skills that are in high demand, that are transportable, not getting into college undecided, not knowing where to go, and then picking a major in which there's virtually no demand for Does it. every company need a sociologist or a psychology major or a medieval literature major? That, 
Oh. Well, perhaps a, a study that came out last week showed the top 175 college majors by earnings, and number 175 was clinical psychology. And part of it is not that we don't need psychologists, it's that you know, coming out of, with a bachelor's degree in clinical psychology does not make you a psychologist. You know, for those students, it's going to take an advanced degree and a doctorate degree. Well, sure. In fact, it's one story I talk about in the book that, that too many students don't know those things going into college majors, and they end up either in dead end positions or they're underemployed. They're finding jobs that don't require the kind of degree they have. Yeah, my youngsters are two college graduates and one who's just starting out. And I told them, listen, you study whatever you want. Just be aware. Be awake as to, you know, that field and the future of it and the, the money, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I appreciate that. You know, it's funny. You're talking about the car companies needing tech and the, the various companies. I mean, we make jokes about the news, and it is increasingly uh, absolutely required that we have enough understanding of the function of you know, the tech world that we can effectively exploit it. I just, I don't think there's a field. I got a friend who who, who play, he's, does metal plating, um, which is incredibly lucrative, as it turns out. Um, he has to have a grasp of all this sort of technology. Absolutely. I mean, technology has been the greatest disruptor in the, in the U.S. workforce, and it's, change, it's completely changed industries. I mean, you look at your own industry. I mean, think about you think about um, news and media and how technology has made news available to all of us on a 24-hour news cycle. You know, we don't have to wait for a printed newspaper. <laughs> Sorry about that. Stand by. Sorry about Something that. Something exploded. That's a technology problem right there is what that was. That is ironic. Uh, Dr. Vince Bertram is online. His book is Dream Differently, Candid Advice for America's Students. So how about just a general overview, your thought of the current American university system, the expense of it, the you know the, the student debt, et cetera, the kind of students they're churning out? Well, it's changed a lot. I mean, you go back, you know, decades ago, and the academy was for a very different purpose. Today, you know, we have two million college graduates a year with bachelor degrees. The challenge we have is that too many are going and earning degrees and paying a lot of money and accumulating massive debt uh, for degrees that just don't have a lot of market demand. And to your point earlier, and I completely agree, and this is one of the things we talk, I talk about in the book, is that we're not telling students what to major in. We're su- suggesting is that they need the right kind of information to make informed choices. And what I believe in higher ed, one of the most important things that we can do is get away from aggregate and averages by saying, you know, this is the percentage of our graduates graduating with jobs or here's the average salary. What we need to do is get more specific about individual degrees. Oh, of course. Of course. To to give an average for for university graduates is completely worthless. If you're going to lump the computer engineering people in with the art majors, I mean, it makes no sense. But that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. And we're also not telling people the percentage of students actually employed within the industry in which they've earned a degree. And, you know, we're just saying you have a job. Well, it's not enough. And people, you know, a lot of dreams are broken because and promises unfulfilled because students get to the end and hit the realities of the marketplace. And the reality is that, 
And this is one of the whole ideas about dreaming differently is that the market really doesn't care about our dreams. They care about what we can do and the skills and the value we can add. It's very oh, hard-hearted. Man, the market doesn't hired. care about my dreams. So some, what kind of older are you, sir? You know, I get the sense from students and parents, because i got a lot of friends who either have kids going off to college or graduated college or whatever, that there's some agreement at least in some socioeconomic circles, that college is some place to go off and a combination of, you know, pleasure and interest. You have a good time, well, you study some stuff you're interested in, and then we'll worry about the whole career thing later. And there seems to be some agreement between parents and kids that that's what's going to happen. Well, I, I, and it's a very expensive exploration process. Oh, yeah, I agree. And, <laughs> and, it, and if, if you want to spend your money that way, I would suggest that that's fine as long as that you understand that. But I'm thinking about just from a rational perspective, if I were to ask someone to invest 150000 or $200,000 over the next four years just to go have fun and enjoy themselves, there are many people that would come away saying that's a good investment of my resources. You know, but then we send our students off to college and say, just do whatever you want for the next yeah. four years. Well, we were talking about and this the other day. With thousands of dollars of debt. We were talking about this the other day because that that is what it is for a lot of college students. It seems pretty clear to me and, and that we've all decided that's OK. But you, you don't at age 50, even when you could afford it at that point where you'd think, you know what, I'm going to take four years off. Spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on just, you know, reading about stuff I'm interested in and partying. Nobody thinks that's a good idea when they're 50. So I, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I didn't have to pay for it. But nobody makes that investment at 50. Why would you make that investment at 18? Right. Dr. Vince Bertram well, is on the line. Hey, I'm sorry. In the limited time we have, just real quickly, it yes. seems to me every student should have a, a class in web design. To come out of college not knowing how to design, build, alter, edit a website, to me, seems Looney Tunes. You mentioned every graduate should have a basic understanding of trigonometry. That was the only D I ever got in my life. In my defense, I was 18 years old, and my teacher was an incredibly attractive, like, 24-year-old teacher. So I could not pay attention. But what should every student have an understanding of, in your opinion, as they come out of college? I think technology is a critical piece. Understanding how technology works and how it influences business—that's that, business so broad, decisions. though. I mean, can I you give us a, like a real-life uh, specific technology, as in? Sure. I mean, learning how to code yeah. is a very everybody should skill. know how to code coming out of college. That's interesting. I think everyone should have that experience and that exposure and understand how it works. Right. Not everyone's going to be an expert in it, but they need a how they need to know how technology and coding and those type of things are influencing their own industries because they're influencing every industry. And without that knowledge and understanding, they're at a severe disadvantage. You could lock and me in a room, put a gun to my head, and say, "You code in the next hour," <laughs> and I would. I don't. Know, I don't know if I need a computer or a pen or I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Of course, we're, we're, we're older and useless, yeah, but, but we're talking about the We're old people. and useless, yes. No, you're not useless at all. Hey, listen, here, but the, the, the thing is, you don't have to build world-class code. You need to know how it works and that how it influences and how things are, are written to create the kinds of things we use. That knowledge really creates uh, an advantage for our students. And one of the things I write about, and there's a whole chapter on don't be a commodity. And essentially, human capital can end up as a commodity business. 
you know, and the market will treat us that way. And we have to differentiate ourselves. So the more knowledge that our students gain by being intentional on the courses they take in college, the, the, the knowledge and experience they can that differentiates themselves from everyone else creates advantage for them. And that's what we're really trying to help students understand. Take advantage of the opportunities they have in college. Don't use it as a blow-off time. Think about every class session you're taking that's costing you at a public institution almost $50 for every class session. And why would you waste that money? Use it to your advantage and make a great investment. That's a nice uh, dose of realism right there. Dream differently, candid advice for America's students. Dr. Vince Bertram, uh, it's been a pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate both of you. Yep, thanks. I wonder if someday we'll also get away from uh, degrees and get more to like a menu of classes you took. Bingo. Bingo. Or, or, yeah, not a degree, but um, certifications in X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Individual. Because what he just talked about there, there's another thing you wouldn't do as a 50-year-old. The opposite of taking stuff you're interested in and partying. How about the classes you took you have zero interest in <laughs> and pay and, and pay today's money for? Nobody does that as a 50-year-old. I'm going to go take a class, spend, buy a $200 book, spend $10,000 on some class I have zero interest in and is of no use in the world. Right. Well, because yeah. it's part of a degree. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, I need to leap to the defense of liberal arts educations. They are not useless, not by any stretch of the imagination. For some of the reasons, and we don't really have time to get into this, but for some of the reasons he was talking about, even if you're not quote unquote in tech, you have to understand tech well enough to communicate with the people who are doing it to serve what you do know about. It's like I'm not a drummer, but I know enough about drumming. I play drums that I can in in music. I can communicate with the drummer and understand his challenges and tell him what I need in an intelligent way. And I could see that being useful, you know, knowing a little bit about coding, web design, et cetera. At least you could communicate more effectively. I was trying to come up with, I couldn't remember. I did this story a couple of months ago. One of your tech companies, Silicon Valley tech companies, the CEO did an article in, I think, the Wall Street Journal about how his the liberal arts major hires that he makes were better than the, the tech people. He right. said he could teach the liberal arts people to do the stuff better than he could teach the, the tech people how to manage human beings or survive right. in the company. Understand or, markets yeah, and or anything like in that. general. Yeah, yeah. But I I just, I'm, I'm going to communicate this to Delaney immediately to let her know, look, you're not going into tech, but you must understand it. You're saying, Sean? Yeah, I find diplomacy a very often overlooked aspect of the work environment. Of You're right, being you able idiot. Yeah. To, <laughs> exactly. Typical of jerks like you. <laughs> yeah, like that, and that's, I think in some ways, the, the liberal arts, the studying of people helps with developing diplomacy and how to communicate and... and Emotional intelligence. And there's yes, much hotter chicks in liberal arts, I True think. True that. That tends yeah. to be the case. Um, hey, seriously. Seriously, you put me in a room, lock me in a room. Need you to code. Come on, we're going to open the door in an hour. If you haven't coded, we're going to shoot you. Well, shoot me now. I I don't even know how to begin. Most other things, I'd know where to start. You sit down at a computer. And, okay. And you start unscrewing it, and you you pull out the hardboard, and then you start coding that, right? (laughs) That's right. You get a little uh, exacto knife. Now, does Morse code uh, count? (laughs) 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 I know how to do that. Marshall is now making his own I'm old jokes. <laughs> That's a good joke, Marshall. Thank what's, you. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? We're going to be hearing from one of only three House Republicans who voted against the Democrat-backed hurricane relief debt ceiling bill. He's coming up. Interesting. Russians buying ads on Facebook.
Facebook to influence our elections. And now, if you need a date, ask Alexa. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Oh, she's procuring fresh flesh now, huh? Wow. Pimpin'. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Getting a lot of good texts today, so maybe we'll hit you with some of those coming up. Super. Plus, I got to pay off what I uh, relationship rules for men from the year nineteen thirteen. In case I get a time machine, <laughs> go back to pre World War One. Yes, and that's I'm, what and it's I'm, for. And, and that's I'm single in this scenario not because it's an interesting perspective on changing times. It's in case you get a time machine, and I'm single. <laughs> right. Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, this is what. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute. You get a time machine, and you go back to a time before you're married, do you get the date? It's a a tough ethical question. Sean, you're into science fiction? Yeah, absolutely. I say yes. Yeah. I say yes. You go back and have a little roll in the hay with Madame Bovary, (laughs) and then you you come back, you're faithfully married again. Uh Yeah, I, I, I was with other women, as you know, before we were married an hour ago. Back well, to I'm the, sorry, Marshall. I think you were going to do some news. I was just going to say, back to the current That's day. That's super. This is what 185-mile-an-hour winds sound like. Largest, strongest hurricane ever recorded in the Atlantic Ocean. Still packing 180-mile-an-hour winds. Gusts over 200 miles an hour moving through the Caribbean. Heading to Florida. Evacuations already underway in the Miami area. It is expected to make landfall by possibly tomorrow night or Saturday. Boy, if it hits with uh, anything close to the force it's got, that'd be something to have two of the worst storms in U.S. history within a week of each other. And within a few hundred miles of each other. Right? It's horrible. After a last-minute White House meeting, President Trump and Republican leaders went ahead and signed off on a Democratic plan that links Hurricane Harvey uh, disaster aid to a three-month extension of government funding and a three-month boost in the debt ceiling. After that, the House went ahead and passed a bill, the bill providing billions of dollars in federal relief for survivors of Harvey. It was on a 419-3 vote. It is now headed to the Senate. As for those three no votes, they came courtesy of Arizona Republican Andy Biggs, Michigan's Justin Amash and Kentucky's Thomas Massey. Big says he objected to the last-minute addition providing funding for education programs in the third world countries. That's one of the reasons he voted against it. I'm like, we were supposed to get a clean bill on Harvey, and you don't have time to put in how we're going to pay for it for Harvey, yet at the same time you're able to somehow find a way to couple it with this other bill that we weren't told about. Big says he... Wow, to provide education for third world countries. Yes. Freaking government screws us every damned day. Right. And there's one of the handful of people, in this case a Democrat, yeah. one of the no, handful... No, Republican. He's a Republican. Yeah. There's like four people in all of government that care about how your money is spent. Like four. Well, they come from the very, very rare districts. Where people care how your money is it's spent. It's amazing. How their money is spent. So no <laughs> conversation about, where's this? Clearly, we have to provide hurricane relief, but where's this money going to come from? Right. Are we going to raise taxes, or what are we going to do? No conversation about that. But we will throw in this extra educating third-worlders that nobody's heard about or debated or anything. We'll tack that on. Right. What the hell? God, they screw us daily. You and know what's really astonishing about it? Is it's not like, we'll go quarter by quarter. It's not like some quarters... 
the federal government spends far more than it takes in. Every single quarter, quarter after quarter, year after year, every single time. There has ne- when was the last time the government took in a nickel more than it spent? College, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's, well, if something can't go on forever, it will end. And I'm uh, I'm unhappy with the, um, I mean, I'm very unhappy that this turned out the way yeah. it turned out. But I'm, I'm, I don't like that blaming, the, blaming Trump, because Paul Ryan's plan was increase the debt ceiling with no cuts until after the next election with some fantasy land, then we'll get serious about it. Even though you've got the best majority, biggest majority you've had in a hundred years, and you're not willing to deal with it now, so that—that's not a better answer. <laughs> Facebook has revealed that hundreds of what are believed to be Russian fake accounts bought up a hundred thousand dollars worth of ads during the presidential campaign. Now, the ads mostly didn't name the election or the candidates, but instead were aimed at stirring up divisive issues among Americans, things like gun control, race relations. The nearly 500 accounts seem to be from a notorious St. Petersburg, Russia-based troll farm. And a appear, troll farm. And appear to be part of what investigators think was an effort by Russia to influence U.S. politics. Hey, welcome to the troll farm. During the we election. grow turnips. During no, it's not a election. farm. It's not your traditional farm run no. by trolls. No. I had understood they raise trolls like cattle. There are oh, herds of trolls. Wow. Uh, That's crazy. cruel. Um, seriously, the more yeah. I read about the KGB and now whatever it's called, their techniques for undermining cohesiveness in other societies, rival societies, the more you read about it, the more interesting it becomes. And that is the point yeah. To, yeah. to have us at each other's throats. It's too bad that they've been successful enough that people tend to either come down on the side of, well, I don't want to acknowledge this stuff because it weakens the guy I want to be president, Mm -hmm. or the other side being, you see, that's why Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, and we're all missing this fascinating story and dangerous uh, development that Joe was just talking about. It's really interesting. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. I would say those are just a couple more examples, and there are many of them, why obsessing over the R versus D thing makes you a sucker. God, stop tying your ego in Republican versus Democrat. You're getting screwed. Boy, there's no reason to think the Russians aren't going to do this again. Oh, of course they are. They've been doing it as hard as they can since, you know, 1919. Yeah. Yeah, they've had a lot of practice. Speaking of 1919, relationship rules for men from 1913. Back when the Tsar was still in charge. Absolutely. Now those were good times. Exactly. The Romanovs were still enjoying their lives. Stay tuned. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Oh, my gosh. So much interesting stuff to talk about. Um, the conversation about uh, can you live a life with no vices whatsoever. Got a lot of good texts on that. Mm. Um, What's the point of being alive? Hmm? Mm. That's a devil's advocate question. Perhaps literally. Advocating (laughs) for the devil. Actually. uh, Some people are calling that uh, Hurricane Irma God. (laughs) Hurricane Irma. Irma Gerd. I heard a, a newscaster this morning who repeatedly, repeatedly mentioned Hurricane Irma. Please fire that person immediately. Nineteen thirteen book. I Don't... find myself asking if I were dating in the year nineteen thirteen, how would I go about it? Nineteen thirteen book, Don'ts for Husbands. It's a slim little it's a do's and don'ts, but mostly don'ts. 
Don't increase the necessary work of the house by leaving all your things lying about in different places. If you are not tidy by nature, at least be thoughtful of others. Tidy by nature is my naughty by nature hip-hop cover band. (laughs) We will be at a local bar this weekend. I've seen them. Dead on. My review, fastidious. Uh, this, uh, this one is, uh, well, okay, it's silly and antiquated, but don't sit down to breakfast in your shirt sleeves in hot weather <laughs> on so, the ground that only your wife is present. She is a woman like any other woman. The courtesies you give to womankind are her due. So you she will appreciate them. You're supposed to wear a jacket? I think so. Jacket and vest. To sit down and eat breakfast. At that home? Nah, where, where was this in happening? hot weather. Where was this happening? America. Don't um, what? So this is previous. This is even earlier than talking to my dad last week, who grew up with no plumbing or electricity. I, oh, were yeah. they sitting down with jackets to eat breakfast? I don't know. That is my understanding. You dress for dinner. I have known families that dress uh, decent for like, especially like Sunday dinner. Don't slouch. No one who cares for a man likes to see him acquiring a slouching habit. It's good advice, certainly. You know, I don't want to get way off topic, but I try to remember that the, all that information they now have that if you sit up straight, it affects your mood. It affects your brain chemicals and your mood. Interesting. Slouching actually makes you unhappy. This one is really good. Should be taken to heart by every man. Don't delegate the carving to your wife on the plea that you can't carve. Talking about meat. Uh-huh. The turkey rudder. You should be ashamed to own that you can't do a little thing like that as well as a woman can. It's just laziness on your part. Besides... A man ought to take the head of his own table. Mm. Wow. Glad Tell I don't have what, to worry about these things. I, I, I have been accused at times of being somewhat judgmental of various things. Parking ability, for instance. I am one of the nation's leading parking ability critics. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if I have been to your house and you don't know how to carve a turkey, I think less of you. What, what, is, uh, what is your concern? Cut up the damn turkey. Everybody's hungry. Do it You expertly. mean as opposed to people picking it up and biting into it like an apple? <laughs> no. There's a technique for carving a turkey. Well, yeah, but 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 what, what would make you unhappy? Because you, you see don't see the get guy enough... hacking away, looking confused, and he can't get the white meat off, and it's just huh? it's like well, coming off in raggedy chunks. All I want is enough meat on my plate. Humiliating. How you get it there, I don't care. It's humiliating. Learn how to carve a turkey. It's been true from for at least 104 years. Don't always refuse to go shopping with your wife. Of course it's a nuisance. But sometimes <laughs> she honestly wants your advice, and you ought to be pleased to give it. Some struggles are timeless. No. Yeah. Of course it's a nuisance. Uh, don't hesitate to mention the fact when you think your wife looks especially nice. Your thinking so can give her no pleasure unless you tell her your thought. You're looking good and nice. I never hesitate to say that. Me neither. Why Me wouldn't neither. you? Um. Uh, don't forget your wife's birthday. Even if she doesn't want the whole world to know her age, she doesn't like you to forget. Oh, Lord. I can't believe you're blankety-blank. Uh, let's see. Don't sulk when things go wrong. Perhaps you've carved the turkey poorly. If you can't help being vexed, say so and get it over. And I feel vexed. Don't sulk. Uh, sulking. It's tempting. Play the victim. I re- try to resist it. Don't quarrel with your wife. She can't if you won't. Mud sticks. And so do words spoken in anger. Mud sticks. What does Mud that mean? Mud sticks to, like, if you get it on your clothes. 
It, the, the, you can't get and it out. Are we talking about the wet dirt now, or is mud, this an analogy? Mud sticks, and so do words spoken in anger. Oh, gotcha. I see. Maybe the next hint is about listening. <laughs> I just didn't understand. I got confused. Don't think it's no longer necessary to show your love for your wife, as she ought to know by this time. A woman likes to be kissed and caressed and receive little lover-like attentions from her husband, even when she was a grandmother. Caress your grandmother's so, listen well, here. Again, again, I don't think you're listening. <laughs> so how did this unfold yesterday in the Oval Office with Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan's head exploding? And Ivanka walking in and saying, Daddy! We're going to talk to Sarah Westwood about that. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.